Welcome to Radiant Alchemy with Sakara Ray. Take a little break and join me for a short little while while we contemplate ways that we can make our lives easier and more joyful and live more authentically in our life's purpose. Let's get started. Well, good afternoon, dear ones. I hope you are enjoying this gorgeous day. As I'm sitting here with you this afternoon, I have my sweet pup Bailey curled up on my lap and the windows are open with a nice breeze and I can hear birds outside and it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous day today. I love this time of year when the whole world feels alive and fresh. Um, I want to sort of do a little abridgment from last week where we were talking about death and how death is not the end and that we can still connect with our loved ones. Um, I want to talk a little bit today about what to do with and for those of us who are still living because inevitably um, even if we're ready and have a sense of relief at someone's passing, particularly if there was suffering. Um, there's still a lot of grief and a big adjustment to our lives and our schedules and what our families and our relationships look like. <clears throat> so I think what I'd really like to talk about today is, um, I don't know if there's any delicate way to put it, but I think we need to drop the euphemisms. I think we've become very robotic in our approach to uh, how we handle people with death. You know, we don't like unpleasant things. We don't like to hear things. We don't like to see things. Um, you know, a lot of people won't even make eye contact or look at a homeless person. It's almost like they don't exist. Or there are certainly families where we just don't speak about unpleasant things. And I think um, someone's pain and suffering makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And our initial instinct is that we want to fix things for people when they're hurting. And we don't need to fix things. There is no fixing death. It is an inevitable part of the process of existence. And anyone alive is going to lose people, everyone essentially, that they love. And we ourselves are going to die at some point. So there is no fixing it. And I'm not really sure why we have all of this discomfort around it. I know that there certainly can be some fear around death um, because it's not something that we fully understand or can prove what happens. You know, we don't have enough science to back what that transition process looks like. But I'm talking about what we do with the people that are still living. So I'm old enough at this point that, you know, I have only one grandparent left. I've actually lost um, one or two friends, <clears throat> certainly, you know, neighbors and other people that were important. And um, some of our friends are now starting to lose their parents. So we're at that age. And I, I almost despise going to viewings and funerals at this point because it's just so 
robotic. It's just this assembly line of people giving a hug or shaking a hand and saying, I'm sorry for your loss. Let me know if you need anything. I'm sorry for your loss. Let me know if you need anything. And to me, it almost feels the same as, you know, like a bank teller or a grocery store clerk where it's just like, thanks, have a great day. Thanks, have a great day. And you're trying to be polite and you're well-meaning, but it's very robotic and it's very vague and inauthentic. And I think it's sort of been drilled into our brain that this is just the appropriate response to, you know, tilt your head and your eyebrows and go, how are you? I'm sorry for your loss. Let me know if I can do anything. And you might sincerely mean that in that moment, but I think that we can do better than that. I think we need to drop those euphemisms. And I know, especially when I'm having an autoimmune flare or, you know, with friends that are having a really tough time in life, while the best of intentions are there, there's actually nothing that gets under my skin more than someone saying a line like, well, God never gives you more than you can handle, or this too shall pass, or it's always dark before the light, everything's here for a season, things will get better, it won't always be so hard. And all of those things are true. And again, I know that the intention is coming from a good place where we're trying to offer comfort and let people know that we care. But when someone is hurting and in the midst of grief or some kind of intense suffering, um, we really don't care about what God has given us or that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, I think what we need to start doing above these little euphemisms and truncated sentences that are supposed to invoke comfort, what we really need is presence. And so that's what I want to encourage you to start practicing. And I think I may have touched on this before in um, a previous blog and podcast. But, you know... Um, Last year, we had a really, really difficult time medically and financially, and we were very lucky that people were going to the grocery store and, um, you know, bringing us meals. But the thing is, I had a couple of friends that said, let me know if you need anything. And sometimes you don't know what you need until it's right there. And let me know if you need anything is a very broad statement. So there were days where what I needed was for someone to come and help me get caught up around the house, you know, to do a little straightening up, to help me fold laundry, to vacuum. But I didn't really know if that was the kind of support that people were actually offering. Um, or certainly there were friends that I knew I could, you know, when we're in person, I can confide anything in them, but they also have children and families and jobs, and I didn't know if it was ever an appropriate time for me to call and say, hey, can I talk a little bit? And so that vague blanket statement actually is not as helpful as you might think it is. And since that difficult time last year, um, I've become very specific in what I offer. So now if someone you know, from my church is undergoing a health issue or there's a, a death or some other kind of struggle, I will say, 
Can I check on you in a couple of days? Can I call you next week and see how you're doing? Can I go and do a Walmart run for you? If you need any help around the house, I can come on Tuesday and help you. I make that very specific. Um, because then people know exactly what you're able to do. And it is more personal. It's not this vague little thing. It's, it's personalized and letting people really know that, that you mean it. That you're not just spitting out this statement that we've been conditioned to say. Because in reality, most people, when you lose a loved one, you know, people think about you for that whole week through the process of loss and then planning services and the funeral and all of that. And then everyone just goes back to their life. But in reality, grief comes in waves for weeks and months and in some cases even years. And most people don't think to check on someone a month later or six months later because they've gone back to their lives. And so by being specific and being present, you are being the best kind of friend and support and example of love that exists. And truthfully, sometimes we don't need to say anything at all. Um, one of my husband's closest friends, uh, his father had passed away earlier this year and we uh, made the drive. It was a, a day's trip, round trip, but we made the drive to his services and um, you know, we were in line and everybody was shaking his hand and, you know, patting him on the shoulder and saying, you know, sorry for your loss, bud. And um, when he saw us, we didn't say anything. We both just opened our arms and let him fall into us and cry. Because I am proud to say that we have distinguished ourselves as being those kinds of people where we're not going to just say something. We are going to be there fully present in love offering support and the best thing that we could have done that day was to simply show up and hold space and give him a hug we were not going to recite the same thing that he had probably heard a hundred times and um you know another example i can give of that is my my dad is actually a minister now and when he was going through um, the grief training, I think one of his first experiences was someone in the congregation who had lost their husband. And one of the volunteers just held this woman as she sobbed. And I think she sobbed in this woman's arms for an hour, if not more. And the volunteer actually had to go. And so another volunteer just sort of slid in underneath her and sort of transitioned this woman and the, I don't think the woman even knew that someone else was now holding her but that was so much more powerful and that's something that really stuck with my dad and that he has remembered and I think that shaped the way that he deals with people who are grieving now nothing needed to be said she didn't need to hear Bible verses. She didn't need someone to tell her that everything was going to be okay. She just needed to be held and to have space to release that sorrow. Um, just being present for someone is so much more powerful than the euphemisms. And 
Um, I can also, with my sister's permission, give you this example. When, when she was here this summer visiting with her, with her daughter, with my niece, she actually had a miscarriage. And, you know, some people, everyone deals with grief differently. So some people are of the disposition where they really want to be held and, you know, have their hair stroked and fussed over and soothed and be given kind words. Other people really just kind of want their space and prefer to grieve sort of quietly off on their own. So my sister and I are very different in that I really want to be held and comforted and she really prefers to cry and mourn in private and so um, as she was having her miscarriage I just went over and and spent the whole day at my mom's and you know she laid on the couch and I just sat in the living room with her and we just sort of watched tv and um, when she was having a lot of pain and feeling very tired I gave my niece lunch and played with her and Um, Then when my niece went down for a nap, I made some soup for my sister to sort of nourish and strengthen her. And I just spent the day there. We never talked about it. We never acknowledged it. Uh, I just gave her my, my day, my energy and my presence and my love in all the forms that I was able to give through cooking, through just sitting in the same space, through, um, freeing her of the responsibilities of having to care for a young child as she was going through physical and emotional pain. And it was several weeks later when we were talking on the phone and she just randomly said, you know, I never thanked you. You were exactly what I needed that day because I didn't want to talk about it and I didn't want you to hug me and I didn't want to be fussed over and you just let me be, but you were there. And that really touched me because, you know, sometimes it's hard to love someone in the way that they want to be loved versus the way that we want to be loved. So even though internally my instinct was to just wrap my arms around her and grieve with my little sister over her loss, that wasn't what she wanted. And I was able to do that for her. And so again, I just want to reinforce that it's, I I don't want to infer that it's inappropriate to ever say, I'm sorry for your loss, or let me know if you need anything, or this too shall pass. God never gives you more than you can handle. Um, Those all come from well-meaning places, but I think at this point we can do better than that. And, you know, we're even seeing this in the news now with all of the mass shootings where people are starting to say and hold up signs saying, I don't want your thoughts and prayers. I don't want thoughts and prayers. I want change. And I'm proud that people are starting to speak up and be vocal about how they want to be supported. So you can certainly offer someone thoughts and prayers. And you can certainly say, let me know if you need anything. But I want to challenge you to go a step further and to really offer your presence to someone. To be specific about what you can offer them to meet them where they are and to love and hold them in the way that is most meaningful to them. To reach out a month later or six weeks later or two months later and just offer 15 minutes of your time or just send a little note in the mail and say, hey, I'm still thinking about you. I know you're still hurting. 
So I think that we can increase our capacity to love through being present and um, being authentic, <coughs> excuse me, and doing better than just dropping one line and moving about our day because when our time comes to feel that same grief, it will be returned. Everything that we put out is returned. And so I know when I'm looking at the loss of my parents or someone who is very significant to me, that people are going to show up for me in the same way that I showed up for them. I think very few people are going to hug me and say, I'm so sorry for your loss. My thoughts and prayers are with you. I think people are going to walk up to me and fuss over me and stroke my hair and say, I'm going to bring you some soup this weekend. And that's exactly what I want to have happen. So um, if you are a person who is grieving, don't be afraid to ask for what you need. If someone says, let me know if you need anything, instead of just politely nodding and saying thank you, say, please pray for me or if you could bring me some groceries in a couple days, or can you just call and check on me next week? It's okay to ask for that. And if you are a person who's comforting someone who's grieving, be specific, offer your energy and your presence. It will be far more healing than that one little line or, you know, the same regurgitated stuff that's in every sympathy card. Don't feel bad. Don't judge yourself. We've all been there. I, I, I just have evolved in my personal life and in my practice and working with people who are grieving and seeing what has become more effective in terms of healing. So um, I guess this is my little continuation of dealing with death and the sadness and what goes on with those of us that remain here. But please remain hopeful and uh, tranquil and loving in your experience of death and losing someone that you love. And please expand your capacity for love as you assist someone through a grieving process. Okay, that's it for this week. And we will reconnect again next week, dear ones. I'm proud of you all and the work that you're doing. You are the most magnificent people on the planet and you keep me going every week you inspire me and uh, I thank you for your willingness to change and grow and to bloom and blossom much love thanks for listening if you want to learn more about Sakara Ray and Sheeler or get in touch with me please go to my website www.sheeler.net or send me an email at ray at Hope to hear from you soon.